Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco, and I have a question, both for Kyle and for our guest Ryan. Are you ready? Ooh, Ooh we're ready. Yeah. What connection exists between the Warren Commission and this minute of Iron Man 2? <sighs> are we are we are we competing against each other or are we <laughs> i mean you could but I... <laughs> the Warren commission hmm i say was it was it also under the the senate armed services committee no that's ryan is obsessively not. typing defending dear I am not. How are you? I am fine. What would the connection be between? I was wondering. I was wondering if this was going to be at your at your fingertips or not, because this is interesting. If people know the full story, I don't. I would like to know the full story, Rob. Okay, so the Warren Commission was a presidential commission established by President Lyndon Johnson on November 29th, nineteen sixty three. It was to investigate the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. There was a young lawyer who worked on the commission who was put on that commission by the recommendation of then-Congressman Gerald Ford, who co-wrote the proposal of the single bullet theory, which suggested the non-fatal wounds to Kennedy and the wounds to Texas Governor John Connolly were caused by the same bullet. It's the entire thing that the Warren Commission, its final findings that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, is all based on this. That lawyer was a man by the name of Arlen Specter. He served as the United States Senator from Pennsylvania from 1981 to 2011. During his tenure, he served as chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, chair of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, and chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, I actually was very fortunate. I actually met Senator Specter uh, during his term, a project I'd worked on in my former life in politics. Um, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, knew of him very well. Um, He did uh, die in um, 2012 uh, from complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 82 in his his home in Philadelphia. Why do I bring up Senator Arlen Specter? He is the inspiration for a character we are going to talk about in this minute. Okay, because here we are, minute 12 of Iron Man 2, directed by John Favreau from the great year of 2010. Um, so yeah, we we pick up where we left off, actually, which is still back in Jersey. So this, this Tony Stark has just been served a subpoena. So by uh, and flirty by smiles are abounding. That's oh, right. Oh <laughs> boy. By the, our lovely Marshal Kate Mara. Uh, and so they, they have to uh, uh, figure out what happens next. So uh, Tony Stark says, uh, how far are we from D.C.? And Happy says, about 250 miles, which is kind of amazing because I looked it up and he's right. Like, <laughs> it's actually like 240 miles from where they are. I went from the Unisphere uh, on Google Maps to Washington, D.C., and it's 240 miles on U.S. 301 South. Oh, yeah, so, you took 301. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, Happy knows his stuff. But... As they're having this cover, and then and then of course Tony Stark hits the gas, and then they, they do this nice whip pan, and they're away. But that conversation made me think of something. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full <laughs> tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 
And for the music hits, I'll, I'll fade that out. But <laughs> are you saying, so these are two you are about to do a road trip. I, I was just going to say, are you suggesting that this is a one shot that should have been made? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. Happy, happy, happy and Tony's, Tony's wonderful road trip, road trip down ninety five right. or three hundred three right, or in the middle of the night, as, as I'm sure Tony was obeying all the the, the traffic laws in his new in Audi his Audi R eight Spider. So do we love the now? Okay. As we're closing this with with Kate Mara's appearance here, yep. after she shows him the badge, do you still like it? And he just gives her this flirtatious look, <laughs> and she sort of lets her guard down. It's <laughs> because her reaction to him is kind of like, uh huh. <laughs> I, just, I did. I did find that very funny because even though, yeah, you like we've talked about in the previous minute, she's a you know she's the person you want to send to make sure that he gets the subpoena, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I I thought this was very playful. I mean, you know, I I enjoyed this. I thought this was kind of cute. Yeah, at that point she had done her duty, so she could uh, she could flirt for a second before he drove sure. off into the night. Mm-hmm. And but then you also gotta love Tony's complete like once he has that expression with her, then it's like gun it out yeah. later. <laughs> I know it's, a, it's this really nice whip. Uh, this 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 uh, wipe dissolve. As right. the car drives away, and then they, and yeah. so, uh, and it transitions to stock footage. And I know it's stock footage because John Favreau complains about it. <laughs> He's like, well, "Yeah, we bought the we bought this stock footage, and uh, it looks really terrible when the movie is blown up on IMAX." And you know why else it's really terrible? Why? Because it's super inaccurate. Oh, so what? What year does this movie take place, Kyle? Two thousand and ten. Yeah, there's a problem actually with this with this footage. So if you're looking at this, you're seeing basically in the foreground is the United States Capitol building. Mm-hmm. In the very front of that is on the left is the Library of Congress, and you're seeing the very roof of the Supreme Court building on the lower right. Now, if you look down the mall towards the Washington Monument, you see a bunch of buildings on the left and right. Those are, most people know, are the buildings of some of the Smithsonian Institution and the museums. On the left, there is a very boxy looking building, and I love, that's my favorite one of all of them. Mm. It's the National Air and Space Museum. Uh, it's where all the great spacecraft and the enterprise and a whole bunch of other things are there. But in, but towards that, between that building and the United States Capitol, that is not the shot you would have had of in 2010. Why do I say this? Because in 2004, the national museum of the American Indian opened in that spot. And oh. that is a very pronounced, you, if you saw this building, because it was designed with Native American inspiration for like adobe structures and, and a whole bunch of different things of art. And it's it's flowing. I mean, you cannot miss that structure. It It's not there in that shot. There, How about that? There, there we go. Eagle eye. Hey, you, for those of you who are I say, yeah, I say you are, you're the stock footage eagle oh, eye. You, I, I you tried. Noticed, you noticed that in, in, in Incredible Hulk, too. Yes. No, I'm I'm big on this the DC. Yes, there's there's a part of DC that still remains in my heart from those days. And definitely, if, you're, if you've been there, you'll know. If you've been to that museum, you look at this and you go, yeah, it's not there. So that's six years too early. But anyway, or too late. I actually learned a valuable lesson just a recent aside. A, um, a, uh, a manuscript I've been working on that's set in Seattle. And uh, so I, I, uh, I sat there for story reasons, but I've never been to Seattle. So I researched a ton and, you know, tried to learn as much as I could about Seattle. And then I gave it to a beta reader who's from Seattle. And I was so glad I did because <laughs> there were things she pointed out. She's like, I know pictures make it look this way, but they're super misleading. Here's how this really is in person. So I was fortunately able to make it uh, uh, make it accurate. But but yeah, you want to get people's cities right if you're going to yeah. portray them. 
Right. I remember uh, Neil Gaiman talked about that too, and how he picked up a book that was uh, set in London, and he was like, "the the hero ran for six blocks," and he's like, "What are blocks? We don't have blocks in London." <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's really good that you have somebody local take a look at that. Yep. Uh, so the, yeah, so this is technically it's May eighth, two thousand and ten, in the uh, in the MCU, and here we are in Washington, but it's not Washington. This is the Grand Hall of Pasadena Masonic Temple, still in LA. <laughs> That's awesome! Wow, yeah. <laughs> and uh, these actually are. This is the first days of filming. If you watch the behind the scenes stuff, you'll see oh. Robert Downey Jr. gives a little speech about. Um, the like the, the the movie and what we're gonna do and like a big rah rah rally thing and apparently this is the first day of filming and that was a it was a terrible decision because it just went on and on and on and on like this apparently this scene was much 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 longer and it took them days and days and days of setting all these different uh, camera angles up to make sure they caught everybody uh, but between uh, uh, the our senator who we're going to meet here soon, uh, and Robert Tide Jr. They kept the light, so all the inter- extras were entertained as they kept going on. But uh, we don't see him yet. The first person we see that we have not seen before yet is it's Pepper Potts. Everybody, there's Gwyneth Paltrow in the third row, second row, second row. Um, she is not row? amused. No, she is not <laughs> amused. That's pretty much her default state in most of these things. Is not amused. So especially this one. So, like we talked about, Robert Downey Jr., what's Gwyneth been up to since Iron Man 1? And the answer is not much. So, uh, some people like like to work a lot, and some people like to work uh, a lot less. And I think that she has earned the, the choice to do things a lot less. So, she made one movie between the Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. It's called Two Lovers, written and directed by James Gray. And it stars Joaquin Phoenix. It is a Brooklyn-set romantic drama about a bachelor torn between the family friend his parents wish he would marry and his beautiful but volatile new neighbor. And despite what you would think, Gwyneth plays the volatile new neighbor. (laughs) I was thinking by that description, she would be the nice family friend, but not. Uh, I watched the trailer for it. Uh, I have not seen the uh, the actual film. Uh, It looks very interesting. It's a very much of an adult relationship drama. And I was watching it and thinking, well, they really got somebody interesting to play the the family friend, the sort of one that they're that p- the parents are trying to get uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, together with. And I was like, she looks really familiar, and I realized it's Vanessa Shaw from Hocus Pocus. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> yeah. It was like it was a deep pull, but I was like, hey, that's great that she got like grown up work after that movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I, I'd like to say, if you're interested in see what Gwyneth was up to. Check out Two Lovers. Wow. Or subscribe to Goop. She was probably getting yeah, it that's true. Well, <laughs> please, 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 for your own sanity, don't subscribe to Goop. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, not the box. Do they have a box? I don't know if they have a box or something. Just, I would hope my snarky tone came across there. but uh, um, <laughs> Just from the news stuff, you probably would do not want to talk about Goop and Box and Gwyneth Paltrow within the same couple of sentences. <laughs> And those of you who have followed the news about it, you know, I'm done. About. Okay, then I'll no. uh, let me move on. So let's before, uh, let's so do that. So they reverse camera angle. Now, wait, now <laughs> as, when they show uh, this, now wait, we do white out. I did want to mention this because this is something yeah. we never mentioned in season two of the Marvel mm. Movie Minute. So we uh, quick go to a zoom out. We see Tony, everyone is assembled at what you normally see at like a Senate hearing of some kind, the tables and chairs. There yep. are four uniformed men in the first row. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to assume those are actors. Uh, but, you know, there is code for portraying uniformed people on a movie or in productions. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Title 10 U.S. Code 772, 
while portraying a member of the Army, Navy, Air Force, or Marine Corps, an actor in a theatrical or motion picture production, may wear the uniform of that armed force if the portrayal does not tend to discredit that armed force. I didn't know this, but when one of the things you cannot do, you can't do drugs or drink. While you're in uniform? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, wait a minute, right? (laughs) So, Marvel Movie Minute, Season 2... Like one of the last episodes before our interview, yeah, was we, Ross in uh, full uniform getting drunk. Well, we're gonna go back at that with this, this digress. We're gonna yeah. have to look at that because I was like, huh. well, he was huh. throughout the movie actually. But is that a real so, uniform he was in? Maybe well, that's, they, I think he had his coat off, question. and I think he just had the shirt had and the, the tie pull on. Down in the yeah. pull down. So so we're gonna we'll look at that. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Here's the other yeah. thing that's interesting is if you look at those four uh, men there in the front. Mm-hmm. So uh, what branches are represented? Uh, the, going from left to right, the first man in the blue, that's Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second man is the Marine Corps, which is the uh, olive and the matching tan shirt and tie. The third man is another Air Force person. And then the fourth person is Army. Um, and you can absolutely tell it's the Army because they uh, certain insignias on the lapels. And if you look down, you can see that the Army dress uniform for situations like this, black coat, blue pants. Hmm. The reason why you know it's not the Navy, Navy is all black for that particular purpose. Um, and it would be a double-breasted jacket. Hmm. Ironically, the Navy doesn't wear Navy. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is actually true. Yeah, Unusual. they don't. What's up with that? I don't yeah. I don't know. Somebody will tell us. And so, so the Navy is not there? Like, they didn't get yeah, the, the memo? Yeah, the Navy's not there. So huh. that I found that odd. Like, did the costume people only have two Air Force ones? We have <laughs> well, it makes sense. There would be a lot of Air Force represented because they're going to have somebody from the Air Force right. directly testifying. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. I did not know that about that. Uh, so uh, we have uh, Tony is clearly not paying attention. Uh, so because he's he's uh, you know having a little conversation uh, with Pepper Potts, uh, and so the the senator is trying to get his attention, uh, and he finally turns around saying, "Yes, dear," uh, and we go to a shot, and it's Gary Shandling. So this is Senator Stern, who's named Senator Stern because John Favreau is a huge fan of Howard Stern. Strange but true, uh, and this is Gary Shandling. So. For a lot of our younger fans, you might not know who Gary Shandling is, except for his his couple appearances in the MCU. Uh, Gary Shandling was actually a really, really big deal uh, in the 80s uh, and into the 90s and things. Uh, he was a writer for Welcome Back, Cotter and Sanford and Son. He became a, a stand-up in the 80s when the comedy boom happened. And he created a fantastic show called It's Gary Shandling Show. I think mainly the reason people don't talk about how revolutionary and hilarious that show is is because it was on Showtime. And at the time in the 80s... And, Nobody had Showtime, uh, and it's really hard to find now. The the first season is available, you know, on uh, the the paid services. But like, there was a box set came out during the DVD boom, and now it's out of print. Um, he would later go on to do the Larry Sanders Show on HBO again when not a lot of people had HBO. <laughs> he did great prestige shows on networks that not a lot of people had access to. But that you actually can find because it's on HBO now. Um, unfortunately, in 2016, he died of a heart attack. Um, if you are mildly interested in the life of Gary Shanley, I would recommend checking out his episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. He actually recorded it. It's the last thing he did before he died. Yeah. It's so soon, actually, that he recorded it, and he died before it came out. So it actually was released posthumously just within a, a couple of weeks of when he actually died. If you are, are wildly interested in the life of Gary Shanley, I would recommend Judd Apatow's uh, two-part film, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shanley, which is on HBO Now. I'm just starting to work my way through it, too, and it's it's fascinating. Uh, just for not only he is a very, very interesting man, uh, but also seeing that period of time in like the late 70s, early 80s, like what Hollywood was like 
uh, it's it's really really good. And and to see the sheer amount of uh, comedians and actors and actresses and and people who were who are immense fans and friends of his uh, coming to talk about uh, Gary Shandling's life. So, but we're here to celebrate. So, oh no, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, the only thing I would add is you did you covered almost everything. The only thing I would add is yeah. his life could have taken a very interesting turn. Because for those of you who know the history of late night television, mm -hmm. he was in the running. He was in the top four people to replace Johnny Carson when Johnny Carson yeah. was done hosting The Tonight Show, yeah. uh, along with David Letterman, David Brenner, and Joan Rivers. And yep. when he guested, he was super popular as the guest mm -hmm. host of The Tonight Show. If that had gone that way, his career would have changed immeasurably. So Yeah, yeah he could have been in Jay Leno's position like for that, right. for that period of time. Yeah, he yeah. he was a hero to a lot of people in comedy, and so yeah, yeah he had yeah. he had a big name in the comedy circles. I would yeah, and uh, just if you if you can find it, the first season of uh, the actually all of it, but of if it's Gary Shandling show is is basically like a lost classic, like because it was revolutionary at the time because it was before Seinfeld, before any of that stuff. He broke the fourth wall all the time and would just turn and, and talk to the uh, talk to the to the camera like to the audience he would sometimes even walk off the set and go into the the studio audience and talk to people like and it was part of the show it was it was uh, revolutionary at the time because nobody ever broke that that right. sacred fourth wall if you, you if you want to see a show that does something a little bit similar lady dynamite does something similar mm. i think it's maybe kind of inspired by that show where, i would i would expect so yeah yeah where they'll be doing in a situation and then suddenly, like a director will come on scene and be like, "Cut!" and start talking to <laughs> the, the main character about the scene that she is in in her life. It's pretty funny. So, uh, it, so in the story, uh, the what's going on is uh, the U.S. government uh, here, basically being portrayed by uh, Senator Stern, wants the Iron Man suit, and so the 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 conversation, the, the the impetus of the scene is basically they're trying to get Tony Stark to turn the suit over to them because they think that they should be in possession of it. So the question is, is it a weapon? So Tony Stark says, no, it's a high-tech prosthesis. So I was like, is that true? Is that So I looked up to see what it was. And most of the stuff, when you see prosthesis, is like a replacement, like if someone loses a leg, they get an, a, an artificial leg, and that's a prosthesis. But I actually found Mer the Merriam-Webster definition is an artificial device to replace or augment a missing or impaired part of the body. Okay, maybe the augment part, if we just focus on that, because there's nothing really missing, but it is a suit that uh, enhances what a person is, like who's inside it. So it's different than, let's say, a robot or a drone which will be important later here in the movie uh, because it is based on the person and whoever is inside it. And so Tony Stark is saying the suit and I are one. I guess if you're in the Marvel universe and you see mm -hmm. that some people can shoot lasers just by themselves, <laughs> you would say, hey, I'm missing the ability to shoot those lasers. So I need a prosthesis to allow me to do that. <laughs> Maybe that's the logic. But uh, yeah. in any I case, it's a good bit of uh, wordplay. I, I think it's just ego augmentation. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. There's a lot of that. Going. So what do you guys think? Do you guys, do you guys consider the Iron Man suit to be a weapon? I mean, it does have, it does have missiles. But I mean, wouldn't it be fun if, if all, like if you actually got a prosthetic arm and it could shoot missiles, I mean, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> who wouldn't? And exactly. Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's tough, does it? Because it doesn't just shoot missiles. Right. You could also lift something heavy to free somebody. I guess. 
Um, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, that no, I mean, I is, is is more like a like a car. I mean, like I mean, because it's a it's a, you can put things on it, as we'll see. That's that'll be happening later on too. But in itself is not really. I wouldn't think it would be a weapon because, like you're saying, like it's it could be a forklift, or it could be a a battle carrier, or you know, or it could be a race car, or I mean, like all these different things, and then depending on how you equip it and how you use it. Well, see, here's the thing. I think they. I think he actually makes a really good case here. Because if you if you were looking at this simply from the military standpoint, what is the Iron Man suit? It's a flying, so far indestructible tank mm-hmm. that can be anywhere on the planet. Well, yeah, that's a weapon. I mean, <laughs> and if you go back to what they know of the of the suit of what it did in the in the first Iron Man movie, well, well, yeah, absolutely, because it gets him into places. Here's where it really is shown: is he's not used it as a defensive. It's it hasn't been just a defensive item. When he goes into the one village to like stop the stuff that's going on in the first movie, he shows up and he kills all those guys. Mm-hmm. That's that's a weapon. I mean, like, yeah. there's no there's no way around that, right? So, and then when they see what, and then they're still pissed off at him for blowing up the one plane. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, yeah. I could. I let me tell you something. I could totally see where they're coming from. And incidentally, what we talked about at the opening here, this character. I mean, this is he is absolutely playing Arlen Specter. This is exactly oh. <laughs> how Arlen Specter used to talk. They, people used to talk about him having this, um, I think I read a thing, this oily sanctimoniousness. Mm. And, and Shannon. Well, he nailed is, it. He's <laughs> nailing it. Like, that's what he did. That's the, the, the impetus for the character. So He was uh, so good at that. And, and I, yeah. I, one of the reasons I love this whole stretch of minutes is that just, it's these characters being so deeply and quintessentially who they are and letting that bounce they're bouncing off each other as so strongly who they are and it's so much fun and it, it, it you know tony immediately sets the tone with his first two words when he says mm-hmm. yes dear. and yeah. you, know, you know immediately with that one exchange what you're in for I, I just think it's beautifully written and put together yeah and now she's playing to the audience and not to the the oh yeah the board of senators who are in front of him he knows he's the most popular guy in the room right there and yeah. he is really enjoying it Except yeah. with Pepper, who's annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she's thinking, you know, there's some of these guys have been paying us checks for a long right. time. Like, <laughs> you need to chill out, dude. Uh, so it, it, it ends with, with uh, uh, Tony saying, to turn over the suit would be to turn over myself, which is, and that's where the minute ends. So we're not going to find out the end of that sentence until minute 13. So, uh Ryan Dalton, I'm sorry, I can't let you go. You're going to need to be here to minute oh. 13 because at least you need to know what the end of that sentence is. Oh, well, I knew what I was getting into. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure that uh, you, you're you in for the ride now. I'm here uh, for the deep dive. And more juicy dialogue is coming. Mm-hmm. So we need you. So I think the one thing the three of us can agree on is that we need uh, external validation in order to feel good about our lives. Uh, we need strangers uh, to give us uh, praise in order to function in a normal society. Uh, and it's really easy for you to do that. Uh, you can do it on uh, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use by leaving us a review. So, Ryan, uh, how many stars uh, do you think that uh, this podcast is worth? Hmm. There's, there's a right answer and a wrong answer. Oh. Is 8,000 the right answer? Because 8,000 is, is way too many. 3,000 oh. would be appropriate. Okay. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. number, let's see, a number between one and five, how, how much oh. fun are you having right now? Five. <gasps> he said five, Rob. Because, 
<laughs> five and a bonus. Five's our favorite. Yeah, five and a bonus that I just that I just put on my heart since I can only give it five. Oh. I give you five, I keep one for me. Oh, see, that's nice. See, you too can be like esteemed author Ryan Dalton and leave five stars a review for us at any podcast you like. Not only does it help us feel good about ourselves and continue to function in normal society, but it also helps other people find the show as well. So, and if you like the show, then of course you'd like to share it as well. So be back here for minute 13, uh, where the trial of Tony Stark continues. Enough said. Bye. Bye.